Thank you for being here this morning. I'm excited to share God's word with you on faith, hope, and love. That's what we began last Sunday morning, a series by that particular title. I mentioned that um, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. The reason that love is the greater one is that out of a love for God, out of God's love deposited into our hearts, and an understanding of that love will grow faith and hope. But a hope and faith will not produce love. Matter of fact, in 1 Corinthians 13, we read that last week. Now, the Apostle Paul was saying, though I have faith to move all mountains and have not love. So faith can be working, it can be moving mountains, it can be accomplishing great things, but it can do so without love. So the goal is, is that we want to have a faith and a hope and a love that's greater than all of them, but the love is the foundation by which our faith and our hope is working. So we are going to get to each one of them individually. I'm still going to be teaching on the subject of faith this morning. And so let's begin by Hebrews 11 chapter. Hebrews 11 and verse 1 tells us that now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, and it's the conviction of things that are not seen. Substance and conviction. Uh, the New King James thinks it's uh, the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Uh, but notice the word things. What do you think that may be in reference to? What things? So many times we just kind of read scriptures habitually and we think about faith, hope, and love. And, but you know, it's telling us here that faith, the assurance of things hoped for, and the conviction, the evidence, or the persuasion of things that are not seen. So there must be some unseen things that exist for faith to be the conviction of them. There must be some things that are available to us for hope you know, to be the substance of. There's something that God, there's, there's some things that God has available for us in the kingdom of God, in the, uh, you know, his kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There's many things from the kingdom of heaven that God wants to be manifested here on the earth that aren't manifested because we were not learning how to tap into them by, the, by faith, hope, and love. Faith being the evidence of things hoped for, the substance of things not seen. So, what's your conclusion about the things? What things are we talking about? What might that include? All kinds of things, right? You know, in Ephesians chapter, in, in, was Ephesians 2, I believe it is that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can even ask or imagine according to the power that works in us. And so allow your imagination, your God imagination to be expanded and, and really be opening yourself up and saying, God, what things are in store for me that I have not yet even tapped into because I haven't been aware of them, because I haven't been seeing them? Well, we're going to find out how we can begin to uh, tap into them by first of all seeing them. So that's what we're going to be focusing on today. So faith in God is defined as a persuasion, a conviction, or a firm belief. And when I'm talking about faith, many times I'll, I'll make the reference to faith, but it's really, it's faith in God. Say faith in God. That's what we're talking about. We're not talking about faith in other things. We're talking about faith in God. A persuasion, a conviction, a firm belief. It's a vision in which one is compelled into action. It's a vision in which one is compelled into action. And to define it in its simplest form, faith in God is putting corresponding action to what you believe to be true. 
Many Christians go around talking about things they believe, but in reality, they're not believing it because what you believe is not what you say you believe. What you believe is what you're doing. There's a big difference there. I'm not talking to y'all, so y'all can just relax. You know, this is, you're here to support me to talk to our online audience, all right? <laughs> Amen. I mean, you're here today because you believe that we would be here. You believe church is open, the worship team's here, the kids' ministry is fully staffed. You believed all that, so you went to great effort to get dressed and, and get over here and get to church and worship together with us. So you're a believer, and you're a person of faith because you believed it and you acted on it. So faith is much more than our creedal confessions or traditions or ceremonies. It's really, it's, a, it's, a, it's an action. It's a lifestyle that has corresponding action to everything that we believe to be true. It's a lifestyle that we are called onto. And Romans 1.17 declares that the righteous, those that have been born again, those of us who have accepted Christ as Savior, we are called to live by faith. Called to live by faith. So let's look at that, uh, what that may look like. A, a faith, a conviction, a persuasion. What is the evidence? You know, how can it be evidence of things not seen? If something doesn't, is not seen, obviously it's not, you know, it doesn't mean that it, it doesn't exist. There's much that exists, but we can't see it. I mean, you're, you should be very familiar with the unseen world, even if you're not a person of faith in God. You know, we have all types of stuff going on in the atmosphere right now that you can't see with your natural eye, but with your devices, you can, you can, you can manifest it. There's things on Wi-Fi. There's all types of things in the air that, you, you know, you get your phone out, you can find out what's all available. Radio programming, TV programming, all the Wi-Fi stuff that's out there. You know, when you have the proper device, you can receive things out of the air that are not visible to your natural eye. By the spirit of faith in God, we can pull into reality into our lives by the spirit of faith, things that God has made available for us. And that's what we're going to learn to look at. Uh, learn how to uh, look at that and to receive it. So I'm going to give you the three phases. There's, obviously, there's more, but this morning I hope to cover three phases of faith. Number one is that faith is a vision. Faith is a vision. I'm going to give all three of, three of them to you, then we're going to go back and go over them. First of all, faith is a vision. Number two, faith has a voice. And number three, I was meditating on this and thinking about this, how could I come up with another word that I'm looking for that starts with a V uh, for corresponding action? And I just couldn't think of anything, but it took me back to my Pennsylvania Dutch days and growing up and some of my relatives that are very, very Pennsylvania Dutch. And if you're among Pennsylvania Dutch people, they have a, it's not uncommon for them to, to uh, confuse their Vs and their Ws. And so faith has a work. It has a vision, it has a voice, and it has a work. <laughs> that works, right? I was talking to a Mennonite guy one time, he's a cabinet maker, and he's talking about different types of wood, and he said, that wood doesn't have much value to it. <laughs> so, so bear with me. I think I can use that because I certainly come out of that Pennsylvania Dutch culture. So, so, so let's go back to, uh, let's go back to a faith vision. First of all, faith is vision. 
the conviction, the persuasion, the evidence of things not seen. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, excuse me, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 and 18, if you can pull that up on the screen, we want to go ahead and take a look at that. 2 Corinthians. So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. Next verse. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Now catch this next verse. As we look not at the things that are seen, point number one in getting faith vision, you have to learn not to look at things that are seen. There's many things we see with our natural eye that are contrary to the promises of God's word. And if we, if we persist and insist that what I'm seeing with my natural eye is a higher reality, is a higher law than God's law, I'm never going to tap into the vision of faith that God has for me. I'm not going to see everything that he has in store for me. I am declaring that what I see in my natural world is a greater reality than the reality of the kingdom of heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I'm not talking about denying the things that are here. We're not talking about Christian science, but we have to, we have to develop a practice of I'm not looking at that. I'm not fixated upon that. And what I'm seeing with my natural eye, I'm not coming to the conclusion that, that's the, that that is the final authority. That's the way it is because that's what I'm seeing. Well, if that's the way it is, because that's what you're seeing with your natural eye, you are disqualifying yourself from being able to see what God has in store for you. Let's continue on. As we look not at the things that are seen, so if I'm not going to look at what I do see, what I'm supposed to look at, but to the things that are, say it, look at things that are unseen, and the reason being the things that are seen are transient. But the things that are unseen are eternal. So there are higher laws. The supernatural is the law of faith. It's the law of God. And it's the promises of God's word. And we tap into them by faith in God. It's called the vision, having a faith vision. In Genesis chapter 13 and verse 14, after Lot had separated from Abraham, the Lord spoke to Abraham and he told, uh, he said to Abram, he said, after Lot had separated from him, he said, lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are, from your current reality, your current reality, the things you're seeing with your natural eye, they're, they're real, that's where you are, that's where life is, but from that place where you are living life right now, lift up. Lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are. Lift up your eyes, your eye of faith. Don't be fixated on the natural, what you're seeing, but begin to look to God unseen and look to the promises of God that are not yet manifested and have hope in those things that are not seen. And, and have your faith become the evidence of them. So, but he gave very clear instructions here. He said, lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, and westward. And the reason you're supposed to lift up your eyes from where you now are is, again, when you're talking to Christians and, and even my own life and then talking to other people and encouraging other people, so that they have, we have a tendency to believe that when I get, I, I'm here in life and I'm really hoping I get to this point in life, and when I, get, when I grow to this point in my spiritual walk with God, then I will believe and then I can lift up my eyes and then I can trust him for more. 
No, where you are, your current reality. Your current reality. You don't believe in healing after you're healed. You believe in healing to receive your healing. You don't believe for God's provision after it's manifested. You believe God's for provision even when you don't know how you're going to pay your bills. You believe and you look to God and you begin to see as God, as Jehovah Jireh, the one who provides all of your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. You see it with the eye of faith, the natural eye, before you begin to see it with... How did, did I just say natural eye? You see it with the eye of faith, with your spiritual eye, and then it'll be manifested so that you can begin to see it and experience it with your natural eyes. There's another story in 2 Kings chapter 6. This particular story, when I started out my walk with God and, and, and learning about walking with him and hearing from God and obeying him and following him and, and taking steps of faith and obedience, this particular story in 2 Kings chapter 6, if you can bring these verses up, uh, this is the one that really, really sunk in into my heart and just transform me into realizing that, yes, God has so much more in store for me. And this is a story where, uh, you know, the, the servant of the man of God, Elijah, you know, Elijah, the prophet of God, and he kept getting downloads from God concerning the Syrian army that they were coming to attack them. And so he would give word to his commanders. And every time the Syrian army would come in to attack them, uh, they would have a, a, a warning from God. They would always be prepared about the Syrian battle plane. And finally, the king of Syria concluded that there must be a traitor in the camp. Let's find out who it is. They've, they've inquired and they've determined, yes, uh, it's not a traitor in our camp, but there's a prophet in Israel who God tells him everything. He, even, you know, he knows exactly what's going on. Therefore, the king of Syria decided, well, if we're going to have success, we need to take out this prophet. So they're en route to take out the prophet. That's what's happening here. And so the prophet, the man of God, and his servants, as when the servant of the man of God rose early in the morning and went out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. And the servant said, now Elijah and his servant were in a city called Dothan, and a servant gets up early probably to do his servant duties, and he recognizes, my gosh, we are surrounded by enemy forces. We're surrounded by enemy forces. And he runs back to the master, to the prophet, that, but was known you know, to get insight and downloads from God. And he goes, what are we going to do? We are surrounded. There's only two of us, and we are completely surrounded by the enemy army. And the prophet replied, next verse. The prophet replied to a servant that is afraid because of what he's seeing with his natural eye. He's seen the enemy. He's seen the two of them being outnumbered. I don't know how much, 2001 or how, you just throw a number out there. Anyway, they were completely outnumbered. And it looked completely hopeless and devastated. And he's fearing for his life. And he, and he, he makes mention to the, to, to the master. And he said, uh, the master replied, he said, do not be afraid. Now put yourself in the servant's shoes. You're going out to do your morning duties, bring fresh water from the well, whatever that may have been. Today, it's going to Dunkin' Donut or whatever. But anyway, as he's going out, he all of a sudden realizes that we are in big trouble. And you go back and you ask the master, what are we going to do in the master? And the reason he's afraid is because what he's seeing with his natural eye, he's seeing the enemy, a reality. And the master simply replied, don't be afraid. 
Don't you love it when you are really, really fearing for your life? You're thinking, this is it. I'm not going to see the end of this day. And someone, you call someone or you talk to someone. You're just looking for some comfort. You're looking for someone to walk with you and they get you through this thing. And then they just simply reply in Christianese, don't be afraid. God's with you. Well, here, the prophet said the same thing. He said, don't be afraid, but he followed it up with a reason why not to be afraid. And the reason was that don't be afraid for those who are with us, the two of them, are far more than those who are with them, than the entire city of Dothan being surrounded by enemy forces. And so the prophet prayed a prayer that to the servant probably seemed very nonsensical because what the servant was seeing with his eyes in the natural realm is what caused him to be afraid. And the prophet did two things that just made his mind go tilt. Number one, he said, don't be afraid. Then number two, he prays a prayer. Lord God, open this young man's eyes that he might see. I'm sure while he's praying that prayer, he's thinking, are you crazy? What I'm seeing is the reason I'm here. It's the reason I'm telling you that I'm afraid. Now you're praying, open my eyes. But God opened the young man's eyes and he saw and behold, he saw and behold, they were surrounded by horses and chariots of fire. God's ministering angels, God's warriors were surrounding them. There were far more with the two of them, the prophet and the servant, than there were with, with the opposing forces. And we say far more, far more with them. Now, here's, what, here's the part that really transformed my ability to understand faith in God. Here's what I want you to get. Opening, God opening the servant's eyes so that he could see the horses and chariots surrounding them, which were far more than the enemy opposing them. Opening his eyes, get this, did not, and we say did not, Opening the young man's eyes did not create the horses and chariots. They already existed. They were already there. The servant was not conscious of them. He was not aware of them. He was not seeing them. He had no clue that they were even in the area, in the vicinity. But the prophet, who was in tune with God, who was able to see those things in the realm of the spirit, had that confidence. That's why he was able to say, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Lord, open his eyes. He's, he's afraid right now. So open his eyes so he can see the solution. Open his eyes so that he can see how big you are. Open his eyes so that he can see the promises of your word that, that, that God is with us, that God is, that God is for us, that he's always with us. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. So the opening of the young man's eyes did not create the solution. The solution already existed. The opening of your eyes does not all of a sudden create your salvation, does not all of a sudden create your provision, doesn't all of a sudden create your deliverance, it doesn't all of a sudden create your healing. All those things already exist in the realm of the kingdom of heaven. And that's why we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, open my eyes so that I can see what you have accomplished for me. Open my eyes so that I can see the promises of your word being fulfilled 
role in my life. I want my faith to be the substance of things that I am hoping for. Hope always has to do with the future and the unseen. I want faith to be the substance of it, and I want my faith to be the evidence of things that are not seen with my natural eye. But nonetheless, they are very real, and they do exist. The kingdom of heaven and the promises of God's word are far more real than this natural world that we live in, and we must learn to lift up our eyes from where I am right now. Right now, where are you? Where are you? What, what is your fear trigger right now? What, what is inhibiting you? What's, what's causing you to be afraid? What's holding you back? Right in the midst of that, lift up your eyes and believe God that I'm, gonna ha- I'm going to be able to see with the eye of faith. And when I see it with the eye of faith, I am believing it. And now I have the confidence to take some steps of faith and put some corresponding action to it. Amen? So that is... That is the vision of faith in a nutshell. I know it went quickly there, but here's what I'm not, not seeing. Not seeing with your natural eye is not a reason not to believe. 2010. Not seeing is no reason not to believe. Keep believing. Amen? Amen? Keep believing. Keep believing. And ask God to open your eyes. Open your eyes. Number two. Faith has a voice. Faith has a voice. In Mark eleven twenty three, you can put that scripture up on the screen. Truly, I say to you, Kate mentioned the word truly when Jesus spoke about the widow. He said, I tell you the truth. Here Jesus is beginning again with truly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things that he wants, You're going timid on me. Believes that what he says, faith has a voice. Jesus said, truly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done. Remember last week when we talked about the, the, the Roman officer? who had compassion, and he cried out to Jesus. He said, come. He said, speak, only speak your word, and my servant will be healed. He said, speak the word, only say the word, and my servant will be healed. He understood the authority of the spoken word of God. He said, Jesus, if you'll just speak the word, my servant will be healed. But he also understood it himself because he himself declared the end result. He said, my servant will be healed. The woman with the issue of blood in Mark chapter 5, she heard about Jesus and she said, she said, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. She said what she believed. She said what she believed. She said, if I can touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. In Luke chapter 17, we have another declaration by Jesus. Let's stick with what Jesus had to say about vision, uh, faith's vision, and, and, the, and the voice of faith. And the Lord said, if you had faith like a grain of mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and be planted into the sea, and it would obey you. A lot of heads nodding. 
Yep. I was familiar with that, but I wasn't familiar that the Lord said it. That changes everything. <laughs> the Lord said. The Lord said. Not some televangelist said. The Lord said. If you had faith like a grain of mustard seed, the smallest measurement, you could say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted into the sea. Something spectacular would take place. The laws of nature would actually begin to obey. And so faith has a voice. It has a voice. Never, ever give up on speaking the promises of God's word. And always remember, an easy way for myself, what I've developed in my life is, is, is I like the idea that when you see the examples throughout the word of God, is that they always spoke the end result. Remember the story in Genesis when uh, Abraham was taking his son Isaac up on the mountain to be sacrificed? He traveled three days, and then he told the, the posse that was traveling with him, he said, you all stay here. You stay here. The lad and I are going to go up here to the mountain, and we're going to worship God, and we're going to return. He had faith in God. And then we read in the New Testament in the book of Hebrews that Abraham believed God that even if his son would have been sacrificed, that God would have raised him up from the dead. But he said that before he even went up there. He said, my, he said, my son and I, we will return. We, must, we want to develop the voice of faith, developing to speaking the promises of God's word and then declaring the end result. How do you want this to end? What is the outcome that I'm believing for? Speak the outcome. Release your faith by speaking the outcome. Speak to the mountain. Speak to the mulberry tree. The, the, the woman said that if I can touch, I will be made whole. The Roman officer said, just say the word, my servant will be healed. So faith has a vision. Faith has a voice and faith has a action. I just can't do the work thing again. <laughs> if I say it one more time, I'm going to revert back to some bad habits. <laughs> so faith has an action. Back to Genesis chapter 13, when God told Abram to, lift up, Abram to lift up his eyes from where he now was, we notice that in verse 17, he said, Arise, walk through the length and the breadth of the land, for I will give it to you corresponding action to go along with the vision, to be able to faith vision, faith voice, faith confession, and also faith action. Go and walk. Rise up. Arise. Walk through the, walk through the length and the breadth of the land, for I will give it to you. Remember, he was told to lift up his eyes, look north, look south, look east and west. Abraham received that instruction, and the Additional instruction was now walk through it. Put some action to it. So for Abraham to miss seeing it would have, for him would have been to miss receiving it. He never would have been able to walk through it if he had not lifted his eyes to see it. He was seeing it. Now he had the courage to walk it out. When you see it, when God opens your eyes to the promises of his word, to the reality of his word, now you have the courage to put corresponding action to it, to walk it out, 
walk it out. Did he have it when he started walking? No. Did he possess it eventually? Yes. Do you have it the moment you see it, the moment you say it, and then you start taking steps toward it? Do you have it immediately? No, but you stick with it because faith is the substance of things you're hoping for. It's the thing out there in the future. Hope always has to do with the future. It's a confident expectation that what God has promised can become a reality. That's hope. And you put corresponding action to it. That's your faith. Faith being the evidence of things, the assurance of things, the conviction of things that are not seen. I'm seeing it by faith in God. It doesn't make any sense to me. It's confusing my natural mind. But in my heart, I believe this is what God has directed. So faith's action. Also in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 and 27, we have the story of the, the wise builder. The wise man and the foolish man, it just seems as the wise builder was the one that he heard the word of God and he was a, a doer of the word of God. He put corresponding action to it. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on a rock. The wind, the rain, the storms came, beat against that house and it didn't fall. The other man heard the same word. But he was not a doer of the word. He didn't put any corresponding action to it. And the wind, the same wind, the same storms beat on his house. And great was the destruction of his house. Both heard the same message. Both had the same opportunities. One put action to it. The other one did not. And, of course, we have the book of James, chapter 2, verse 14 through 17. You can never get away from this when you're talking about faith and works. It says, what good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? Next verse. If your brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, if one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also, faith by itself, it needs Faith, hope, and love. It needs a voice. It needs corresponding action. So also faith by itself, it, if it does not have works, it's dead. It really is useless. Paul said, if I have faith to move mountains, but you know, I'm not doing the things I'm supposed to do, I'm not loving, I'm not providing, then it's really worthless. And we don't want to be known as men and women of faith in God and, and yet not being known for the kingdom principles and, and kingdom activity and kingdom work being done and souls being saved and, and people being set free and, and us continuing to grow in the promises and in the blessings of Almighty God on a daily basis. And so... Let's continue to uh, believe God for a vision, for a voice, and for a corresponding action to the things that we say, that we decree and declare as believers in God. We have faith in Almighty God. Amen. Are you a person of faith this morning? Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I'm going to pray for us. There's a prayer that the Apostle Paul prayed in, in Ephesus, and I like to pray over myself and my family quite often. I want to pray it over church family here today and those of you that are worshiping with us online as well. And as he, Paul prays for the eyes of their understanding to be enlightened. So I'm going to pray that. Is that all right? So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I just thank you right now, Lord, as the Apostle Paul prayed for the church at Ephesus, for the eyes of their understanding to be enlightened, that they would know, 
And the Father, I believe that he was knowing, meaning first and foremost, knowing the purposes, the work, the ministry, and the deeds of Jesus Christ, that we'd have an understanding of redemption and what all is included in that redemption. Father, that's my prayer, that my eyes and the eyes of the Grace Church family, that you open up the eyes of our understanding, our spiritual eyes, that we have eyes of faith, that we can see beyond this natural realm. We can, we can see your promises. We can see kingdom principles overriding natural principles. We can see fulfillment uh, in, in, the, in the realm of lack in our lives. We see fulfillment coming out of kingdom principles in Jesus' name. So thank you, Lord God. Open our hearts, our eyes of our spiritual understanding. This day, give us vision. Give us the courage to speak it out, to put voice to the vision, then also to put corresponding action to it in Jesus' name. Name that's above all names. And all the people said... Amen. Keep believing God. Keep believing God. If you're in here this morning, you never received Jesus as Savior, or perhaps you're even worshiping with us, listening to us online, you never received Jesus as Savior, we want to, uh, we'd love to just offer up a word of prayer also and introduce you to your, your Lord and your Savior as you uh, embrace him. Is there anyone in here at all say, I have never, ever surrendered my life to Jesus. I'm not a person of faith. I have never come into accepting Jesus as my Lord and Savior. So someone in here today, you say, yes, I, that's me. Please pray for me this morning. Is there anyone? I don't see any hands raised, so I trust that you've done that. So if you haven't and you want to talk to myself after the service, or uh, there's going to be some prayer people up here. Kate's going to come out and give us some more instruction on that. So let's welcome Kate. And you all have a wonderful, wonderful rest of the day. And next Sunday morning, we're going to deal with hope. And then the following Sunday after that, Nathan's going to talk about the love of God. Speaking of Nathan ministering on the love of God, you know, this is probably about the fourth time I had Nathan's minister for me here at Grace Church since he's been on staff. How many times has he asked me to lead worship? <laughs> I, have, I have a vision. <laughs> he hasn't even asked you, has he? No. no? All right. Trust me, he, he, he's making wise choices. <laughs> All right. God bless you. Go ahead, Kate.